Back again on a Monday. It is the Baseball Elite Podcast. It is, I guess, a special version of the Baseball Elite Podcast because uh, Ray Flowers, we get to come at people today when there is no baseball tonight. There's no scheduled game that matters. Tuesday night, nothing on Wednesday. I think there's one game on Thursday, but Ray, we have reached that all-star break. It's here. It's in our face. And I got to say, I, I, I've watched a lot of seasons. I feel like this one's cruising on by this year. Yeah, it's really weird, isn't it? Because we had last year, which was such a mess. And, uh, you know, we got 60 games at the end, and we didn't know if the world was going to end. We didn't have any idea what was going on. And it's weird because this year, for the most part, it's, you know, gone to, gone to plan, of course. We've had injuries and all that other stuff that has made it stressful. But I, I agree with you. It's almost like you you forget that, you know, a year ago, we were basically just getting started with this stuff. And here we are at the All-Star break. You know, one thing I'll throw out at the All-Star break, because this is a time for a lot of people to take a breath and, and kind of look at their team. I would argue, Ray, that where your team is at right now, and for most every team, we've played about 85, 90 games. Whatever your fantasy team is now, that's kind of what you are. You may have individual players that are weak here, or disappointing there, surprising over here. But as a collective team, Ray, where you're at in the standings is kind of what you are. Would would you agree with that after 90 games? In other words, I'm saying if you suck somewhere, you probably need to go out and address it via a trade or you need to go out and make a big move on the waiver wire if that's possible. I, I'd say you kind of, you know, what you are through 90 games, I don't know if it's going to budge a whole lot, say 50 or 60 games from now. It, I'm going to say you're wrong, but you're right. And... I, I think for the most part, you're right, but I don't want to say that and then, you know, discourage people for not trying in the second yeah, half. Yeah, you? I get it's like, it. Because, I mean, injuries happen every day. Every single day in this game. We're going to talk about a big one in just a bit. Yeah, <laughs> and it's little guys. It's it's mid-level guys. It's superstars. Pitchers can't throw five innings without their arm falling off. It happens every day. You know, we're still going to get an influx of players, you know, getting called up from the minor leagues. We'll have the trade deadline, so – guys that we're not even talking about right now, all of a sudden we'll be playing full-time. So I still think that there can be room made up. Now it's, if you're 58 home runs behind, well, yeah, okay. You know, I mean, there, there are limits there. But for the most part, if you're, you know, in last and saves, if you're last in steals, you, you need to address it. You can't just leave it that way and think it's going to improve to the point where you're competitive. Yeah, I think, you know, I think of steals. Like, you either got them or you don't. And it's not like somebody's going to go on an incredible stolen base run you know, in the second yep, half. Right. Um, and I think the ratios, Ray, which is, you know, batting average and whip and ERA, you know, 30% of the league. Those are really hard to budge, I feel, at this point. I mean, I, I think, you know, not to say you're you're a seventh in batting average, you're going to be, you know, I guess you can move up to fourth or third, but it's going to take some doing. You've got to, there's a lot of results that have already happened. So especially in the ratio categories, it's, it's you better be really good if you want to make a jump with the same guys you have. Yeah, the, the positive is that you know it seems like everyone's team is hitting 246, right? Like it it's not you know, it's not like there are many teams that have like a substantial batting average that you couldn't make up a couple of points. And and you know, normally we'd say you'd make up a couple of points, and it's like ah, eh, you know, you gain maybe a point in the standings. You can make up a couple of points and maybe gain four or five, like because there's a lot of parity there. But it is difficult to move batting average, whip, ERA in a substantial way. I hear people say, oh, I'm going to make this move. I'm going to add this hitter. And it's like, well, you're going from a 230 hitter in 250 at-bats to a 300 hitter in 250 at-bats. Your team batting average just went up 0.8 points. I mean, it, it doesn't – there's so many at-bats. You know, there's 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 at-bats by the end of the year. So, yeah, it is difficult. It's not impossible to make up ground in those categories, but it's very difficult to make sizable jumps. Well, we know that if you're listening to us today on this podcast, you are looking to improve. You're looking to compete. You're looking to still win. Got a lot of things planned for you. And as usual, we give you a rundown of what to expect for this edition. We call it the starting nine, one through nine. Here are the nine topics we have for you. The plan was to make this very kind of like midsummer's classic specific, like who's been good, who's been bad. That all got blown up on Saturday. We're going to lead off with the devastating news of the injury to Ronald Acuna. In the two spot today, we'll talk about some overlooked fantasy hitting all-stars. We'll give the pitchers their due in the three hole. 
In the four and five spots, Ray and I will each give our five biggest surprises, and then we'll follow with our five biggest letdowns. We have a player profile of a rookie who struggled early and is now coming around. Maybe we're just trying to give some hope to you, Wander Franco and Jared Kellenick owners. We'll talk about Logan Gilbert in the six hole. Seven spot, we'll get you some news and notes as we go into the all-star break. Random reference at eight and stamp of approval at nine. Uh, Ray, let's begin with the big news really of uh, the weekend. Uh, might be the big news of the season for the Atlanta Braves because it totally changes their outlook and it totally changes the outlook of a fantasy player. Ronald Acuna done for the season, injured trying to make a uh, spectacular defensive play in the outfield for the Braves on Saturday night. It was fairly evident from the get-go that it was a severe injury. And uh, we got the news on Saturday night, Sunday morning, Ray. It's a torn ACL. He's done for the season, nine to 10 months. And we were just talking about, you know, making trades to improve your team for a fantasy player who just lost Ronald Acuna. Um, you know, it's, it's, I don't know what to tell you. You lost a huge cog, but honestly, unless you're going to put some crazy amount of effort into making trades, it's almost impossible to replace a guy of, of what he, I mean, he does everything, literally everything five by five superstar and he's done for the season. Yeah. A crushing blow to baseball, to the Braves, to fantasy squads. And you can't replace Acuna period, because even if you can make a move, like you can, oh, I'm going to go out and add Nick Castellanos, or I'm going to go get, you know, Mookie Betts or, you know, whatever, you're going to add some huge performer in the outfield. You're going to have to give up so much to get that player that you're, you're still way behind, right? Like in essence, you could sort of replace Acuna, but you can't replace his overall value to your in production to your team. So the move is, do you try to get someone with speed? Do you try to get someone with power? Like, you know, how do you look to fill that hole? That's point number one. And point number two is you got to do something most likely. Uh, we were we were talking about this before the show. Uh, I'm in third place. What is it? The F, is it the FSGA League, I think, or Labor? Um, it's the Labor League. I'm in third place. And you, you laugh. You're like, well, there, go, there goes that dream, Ray. And it's like, <laughs> well, yeah. Oh, I'm in second place. Excuse me now. Like, I got like 108 points. Like, it's really going well. And then boom. Um, and all you can do is, is go to the waiver wire and try to, you know, grab the Austin Slaters, Austin Hayes of the world, you know, and hope that you, you kind of catch lightning in a bottle there, but, uh, there's no making up for losing that superstar. And it's just a sad day for the whole sport. And this, obviously those people with them on their teams. Well, and, and it's so easy. Yeah. I can't replace them. And you just look for whatever, you know, a guy with a heartbeat in terms of trades, Ray, for those who want to look at things, I guess at least the timing is okay. Cause now you don't have games until Friday for the most part. So you can sit here and kind of take a deep breath, uh, figure out maybe some targets, all these kind of good things, get some discussions going, if you will. And while you do that, you're not, you know, missing out on game action or forgetting to set this starting pitcher in this spot or doubleheader. You don't have to deal with any of that stuff. And I was thinking to myself with Acuna, a guy who produces, again, in all five categories, maybe you see where his cat, which category of his has the biggest impact on your bottom line. Like losing Ronald Acuna, is that going to affect you most in stolen bases? Right. I think for a lot of people, that answer will be yes, because you may have power elsewhere, you know, that, that you're getting from other guys. Um, you may have RBIs elsewhere. You may have runs. You know, you're not going to have one guy who does all that, but you also may be in a spot in your league to where you can say, OK, I've got a little wiggle room here on runs or I have a little wiggle room on, on home runs, but I don't on stolen bases. Like if if I don't get any steals here, I'm going to fall down four or five spots in the league. So I think that's one way of kind of compartmentalizing it, Ray, is instead of this, this rush of, oh, my God, what do I do? You kind of break it down and say, where was his biggest impact on my bottom line? Where is maybe the biggest threat that I could lose ground without Acuna being here? And let's go get out and go get a guy who addresses that. So that, that may be at least one recommendation if you're looking on the trading market of how to go about that to try and find some help. <laughs> help in those categories yeah i think that is the right way to do it um you know you can try to let's say i'm gonna get speed and you could try to get someone in, in the infield and move guys around you can try to find someone in the outfield that you can just directly replace acuna with if you're going to go that route i think obviously the most easily replaceable numbers not replaceable completely but you know, filling in their home runs home runs and rbis are things you can find run scored more difficult steals even more difficult batting average difficult so I think it's a good way to, to to attack the problem because we're not going to find a five-category player on waivers. We're not going to be able to make a trade for a five-category player unless we blow up our roster. It's not happening. So looking at the 
standings is important and, and taking that to the next level too. It's not just looking at the standings. That's a great place to start, but you really should take it to the next level. You know, look at the, t- if you're talking about steals as an example, it's pretty easy to go look at a team's roster and think what's the future going to look like here. If this team's ahead of you by three and this team's ahead of you by four and you look at their roster and they just made a trade last week for Whit Merrifield, well, you're in a little bit of trouble. If you look at their mm-hmm. roster and no one on their team's got more than six deals, yeah, you can definitely make up substantial ground and probably pass them in the steals column. So I would also suggest people take that next step of not just looking at the standings, but maybe taking a glance at those rosters and see what players are actually on them as well. You know, Acuna is going to turn 24 um, here in December, so he's still incredibly young. Uh, we mentioned the nine to 10 months that makes him doubtful, I guess, for the month of April, but Hey, he's young. We've seen amazing things. So I'm not going to say it's impossible, but doubtful uh, for Acuna to be out there. Ray, if you were in a big money keeper league and right now you're sitting in first place and you just lost Acuna and it's, it's money. Okay. Let's just say it's for money, something important that you want. Would you ever think of trading Acuna in a keeper league and getting like three or four pieces to put you over the top? Because this is like this is a player that in a keeper league still has a ton of value, um, and and people say, oh, you never trade Ronald Acuna because you got him for the next ten years. Which okay, I guess you can make that statement. But like I said, you're gunning for something. This is your year. You're already sitting at. It's got to be tempting to at least think about flipping him. I probably wouldn't be able to pull that trigger myself. I would try to find other avenues. Um, but I think that will cross the mind of some. Uh, because they could, I, I know a guy in one of my leagues and it's not a big money league or anything like that, but within five minutes of that news coming out on Acuna, the Acuna owner in our league got a trade offer for him. Yeah. People do that. Yeah. Like immediately and offered them pretty well. Hey, you take any four guys from my team, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and that, that can get kind of exciting when you get to look at a roster, but I, I wonder, is it still worth it when we're talking about a young talent like this? Well, there's always the possibility, just to put it out there, and I we talked about it on the SiriusXM show on the weekend, that there's always a possibility that Acuna, for whatever reason, is slow to recover, that he has setbacks, that you know maybe he's not even able to be Ronald Acuna, quote-unquote, in the second half next year. That's possible. So he may not be back to being a superstar till a year and a half from now. Certainly a possibility. Uh, there's a possibility that you know throughout the process that other issues arise and maybe he doesn't quite have the explosiveness he once did. Maybe he's set a steal on 30 bases. It's now 18. You know, so the, you have to factor that in too. And I know he's a young guy, and I know science is fantastic, and he should be totally fine at the end of this. You know, in a year or whatever it is, should be totally fine. But the idea of listening is it makes sense because, like you're saying, you're you're done this year with him. It's very reasonable to expect you're not going to have him in the first half next year, at least at a superstar level. And then, as we've seen with Noah Syndergaard, with Chris Sale, different because they're pitchers, but with those guys, you know, the expectation was they'd be back, you know, May, June. You know, we're in July. Neither one's pitching. Syndergaard had a setback. Sale looks like – I mean, that could happen with him too next year. So I think you have to at least listen. Yeah, I I think you're doing yourself a disservice if you're not listening. Well, let me ask you this too because here's another part of this whole – you know, fiasco, if you will. What about an Ozzy Albies, Freddie Freeman owner? Is there, mm-hmm. is there a big effect here with a coup? I mean, that is the top of the yeah. order. That's the guy getting on base. Albies and Freeman. I know Freeman started slow, but he's heated up. Albies has been, you know, kind of the same story. He started slow. He's really heated up. I mean, it, it's a lot different now if you don't have Ronald Acuna leading off and, you know, looking at what they did at least for Sunday and it's only one game and they ended up losing that game on Sunday. But at least for Sunday's game, Ray, um, it was Adrianza, Arihe Adrianza leading off. Now, I don't know if that's going to be <laughs> – that doesn't sound like much of an answer. <laughs> like I, I look at this lineup and it's like, maybe you should just give Dansby Swanson another shot or, you know, lead off Ozzy Albies instead of batting him third. Um, Orlando Arcia is playing left field for this team. Yeah. We really don't know what the Braves are going to do at leadoff, but do you think this does have a notable effect on Freeman and Albies? Well, I mean – Yes, I think it has to have an effect because the you know you, you look at the outfield, Enciarte, Heredia, Arcia, Adrianza, like you said, like we're kind of hoping now, you know, Pache or Waters, you know, both those youngsters could be significant contributors in the second half because the Braves might have to, in essence, give them opportunities. And both guys have tremendous talent, and you know, maybe they catch fire in both Pache and Waters are options in the fantasy game. We're not there yet, but maybe that's how this comes down. But you look at this lineup right now, and when you when you you take out the dynamic nature of Acuna, it shifts everything. 
And, you know, when you look at the lineup now and you basically say to yourself, well, Freeman and Albies, okay. Austin Riley, we've seen hot and cold, and that's been the MO for him for his career. Like he's made some adjustments this year, which are positive, but still, right? Dansby Swanson, who you mentioned, um, he's basically, he's not just a guy, but he's better, more just a guy than a star. Like he's really just a good hitter, but he's nothing fancy that's going to scare an opponent. And you start looking at the trickle down effect, and it's like, well, if I can get Freeman and Albies out, I got this. And if I get one of them out, do I have to pitch to the other guy? And if Albies goes in a little bit of a slump, maybe we just, who cares if Freddie Freeman gets three walks a day? He's not going to score. So I think it does potentially change the outlook for both Freeman and Albies and obviously not in a positive way. Well, and and speaking of Freeman, one thing we should throw out here is um, with the loss on Sunday, uh, the Braves who've been fighting behind the eight ball all season, they are now sitting at third place. I think they're exactly four games back. Uh, Philadelphia is in second. The Mets are in first. Nobody in this division um, has set themselves apart. There is no wild card here. I mean, Atlanta's seven and a half games out. I mean, I doubt they're going to be able to make a run without Acuna. I bring all this up, Ray, because this perhaps brings up the future of Freddie Freeman, who's a free agent at the end of the season. You know, we're next week at this time, Ray, we'll be talking about the trading deadline already and all the rumors. We may even have a trade by next week at this time. So that that's going to pick up steam and Freddie Freeman would be a massive name on the market. I don't think the Braves want to do that. And we haven't heard really any rumors of that, but I'm just throwing it out there as that could be something that we may be talking about two, three weeks from now with Freddie Freeman. Could be. Yeah. And um, it's really interesting to think about, you know, what could happen in only leagues. What if he gets traded to the American league? You know, and people's kept their hundred dollars or thousand dollar fab, right? Then they got him, you know, <laughs> a huge addition. But yeah, I I I think a lot of things really like the next three weeks have to really go poorly for the Braves because if you're if you're in the Braves front office, what do you do? You see this and you say to yourself, "Oh shit, that's the first thing." Um, and then secondly, you say to yourself, "Okay, we got Freddie Freeman. We got to talk to Freddie. Like we we got to get this because you know again, Freeman's done this year. Next year's up in the air." The Braves front office needs to know where they're at with Freddie Freeman because if Freddie Freeman's not planning on coming back next year, we can't go into the season without our two best players for you know the first <laughs> half until the second. So the next three weeks are very important. The conversation the Braves are having, if they get the sense that you know Freeman is just for whatever reason they're apart on dollars or years or he wants to try something different, they could trade him. I think it would take a lot, but they could deal him. And let's be honest, the return would be significant. Big blow, Ron Acuna, and it affects oh so many pieces. The the Braves, ticket sales, <laughs> you got to throw that in there. Uh, fantasy fortunes uh, affects the the playoffs. On and on and on. Other players, it, it just that's how it works in baseball. That kind of trickle down effect. Uh, but Acuna done for the season in our leadoff spot today. Let's move to the two hole, and we are at the All Star break. And so Ray, even though it's past the halfway point everybody kind of considers the first half official now and the second half we're getting ready it's also a good point where we can sit back and start to take a look at some of the numbers and some of the players and some of the surprises and some of the misses and that's what we're going to do today starting uh, with overlooked fantasy hitting all-stars and I wanted to throw this category out Ray because I feel there are guys and and some of them made the all-star game might I add but I feel like in our community at large, they don't get much respect. We don't talk about them much. They've just kind of gone. And, and there are other guys, but the list I came up with, Ray, I, I had two guys who, you know, are stars. I feel like, Ray, Trey Turner and Matt Olson never get discussed. And, you know, how can I throw in Trey Turner as an overlooked fantasy all-star when he's a first-round pick every year? I'm just saying, Ray. <laughs> He quietly goes about earning his first round value every year. Uh, we've had a lot of the other first rounders get hurt or come up short, whatever it is. Olsen's not a first rounder. He doesn't have the, the well-rounded game of Turner. But again, when we talk sluggers, it sounds like nobody ever mentions Matt Olson. I think both those guys, totally legitimate and people have enjoyed them, but they don't get much love in our universe. They don't. I mean, Olsen doesn't run. And though the batting average is good this year, it's never really been a piece of his game. So he's just been a good slugger. Maybe he's more than that as he develops. Uh, and there's so many other players at first base that always have big years, breakout efforts, all of that. So I kind of get it. Plus, he's with Oakland. And though I'm a Bay Area guy, and Oakland's not really high on the national media scene, right? So I kind of get it. It's, it's unfortunate because he's really good. 
but you know, he hit 110 last year, whatever the hell it was. So, you know, there, some of that will change obviously as this season continues to play itself out. And at the end, if he's hitting 285 and he goes 45, 120, everyone will be talking about him then. The Turner thing is fascinating because, you know, while everyone else is doing their thing, even this year, while everyone else is doing their thing, oh yeah, ho-hum, Trey Turner's on pace to hit 320 and go 35-35. <laughs> you know, it's like, what? Uh, and, you know, I, I'm you and I have talked a lot about Tatis and Tatis and Tatis, and, and I said directly on this podcast on SiriusXM, I said when Tatis' shoulder went, I'd trade him straight up for, for Turner. Mm-hmm. And on a per-game basis, Tatis has been better. Okay? There's still the issue, though, with Tatis's shoulder. Let's not forget that as great as Tatis has been, he's still like 35 points behind Turner in batting average. And oh, by the way, everyone made a big deal about Tatis going 2020. I get it. You know, 2020 at the All Star break is, is massive. He's one error away from going 2020 20 at the All Star break. <laughs> he is a butcher defensively. Trey Turner is a better player right now than Fernando Tatis. He's a better baseball player right now today than Fernando Tatis. And his fantasy performance is right on his heels. Yeah. And I think being buried behind all the star power in Washington, like first it was Harper, then Soto, Scherzer, Strasburg, on and on and on. You just forget about Trey Turner. And and hey, I've picked on Trey Turner. Can't stay healthy, all that. Last year he stayed healthy. This year he's staying healthy. I hope he makes it to the finish line. And if he does, 35-35, um, ain't many guys who've done that in the infield. Not at all. Um, and certainly with an average like he has. A couple of other names in the infield. Um, Jake Cronenworth and Tim Anderson. And, and you know, Tim Anderson's been around, but I just kind of wanted to give him a shout out. Kind of just still doing what Tim Anderson does. And and I think certainly for the White Sox has been critical. They've had. And then Cronenworth, you know, he's, he's the guy behind Tatis or in front of Tatis, depending on if Tatis is sitting second or fourth. But, Ray, he's kind of sitting right there as the fulcrum. I mean, to think that Jake Cronenworth is, like, locked in as a number three hitter in San Diego is pretty wild. Yeah, and I got to admit that uh, I missed on this one. I I was not in on Cronenworth. I know he had a solid season last year, but I looked at him, and I was like, eh, I'm not not that impressed. I I don't really see anything that, that pops here with him. And he has gone out and done extremely well. He is, as you noted, someone who's in the lineup and in a place of importance, and he's produced, and he qualifies at multiple positions in some formats, right? So he, he brings positional flexibility, too. And, you know, the numbers aren't, you know, astounding by any means, but it's not like he was overly expensive. And, you know, here we go with your favorite thing. Dude could score 115, 120 runs, you know, and that's, you know, you know, guy hitting 270 with 20 home runs nowadays, who cares? But if he's scoring 115 runs and he's qualifying in multiple positions, yeah, you're right about Jake Cronenworth, and I was wrong. A couple of outfielders, you were right about this one, Ray. Adam Duvall. And and still no, but and, hey, Adam Duvall's Adam Duvall. But, Ray, ribbies, home runs, he's even thrown in a handful of steals. Mm-hmm. That's going good for him. And then Rymel Tapia. In Colorado, who coming into this year, nobody thought he could repeat last year. He might be better this year than he was last season. Both those guys in, again, two franchises stuck in the mud. Right now, the Marlins and the Rockies doing nothing. But those two outfielders, you know, and they're not making an all-star game. None of that. But they've been they've been overlooked as, as hitting all-stars this year, I think. Yeah, I mean, in the case of Duvall, I've told this story to you. I, I don't know if I've mentioned on air, I had him in a, a 12-team league, and he was my fifth outfielder, and I had injuries. I, at the time, had nine guys on the injured list, and unfortunately, we only have eight IL spots, so Duvall had to go. And then that's when he went banana pants the next day, and it's like, gosh darn it, man. I held on to that guy for eight weeks, nine weeks, whatever the hell it was, and then he finally still started going hitting. banana pants. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? And it's he's, and, you know, he is a fascinating player because it's been years, but when he plays every day, he goes 30-90. He's played every day twice. He's gone 30-90 both times. He's going to do it again this year. And, and got- let me stop you real quick on Duvall. Yeah. Leads the NL in ribbies. Yeah. What? Adam Duvall? <laughs> like nobody. That's a simple trivia question. And and I'm looking at it through, you know, through Saturday. But, like, he was at the top of the list in the NL. I mean, who's getting that? Who's getting that trivia question? Leads the NL in ribbies. Go. No one's saying Adam Duvall. Nope. And he's a limited player, and he's got holes in his swing, and there'll be a period of time coming up soon where he'll hit 185 for three weeks. Yeah, but he plays, he produces. He is, you know, if you stick him in that five hole, just let him rip or whatever it is, he'll be productive. Um, there's always the chance that a player like him, because of his age and standing in the game, um, could get traded 
could get replaced in the lineup if he struggles just because, right? There's always someone younger, more exciting or whatever. But if a team commits like the Marlins have to playing him on a daily basis, you get the production. And, and Toppy's a totally different player because he doesn't you know, have any power. Uh, and he was kind of disappointing there, but he had a three, he had a three week stretch where he was hitting 450 or whatever the hell it was. You're getting two hits every game. And he's been extremely productive. Is he a standout? No. Is he a superstar? No. Has he filled in and offered everything to anyone that took him as the fifth outfielder on their team in a mix that you bet? Yeah. 15 stolen bases, 53 runs and a 290 average. It's good. I mean, if you, if you get 25 steals from anybody, they're worth it. You tack on 90 plus runs and a 290 average. That's that's a nice player there. Now he's deficient compared to the rest of the guys in homers and ribbies, but you should be able to find that with your other players on your team. And I, I was looking up the updated ribby numbers. Ray, I don't know how many, <laughs> I don't know if anybody could get the top four in RBIs in the National League. Um, Duvall and Aguiar are actually tied. We got two Marlins, number one, both with 62. Makes, makes all the sense in the world. From the same team? Yeah, that would, that would be the yeah, team from you would the choose Marlins. to. Yeah, um, right. Ozzie Albies at 61. Maybe somebody paying attention gets that. And then number four, Eduardo Escobar. What, what, what makes the RBI stat more meaningless than the fact that three of the top four RBI guys are on the Marlins and the Diamondbacks this right. year, actually? <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, you look at Escobar in particular. I mean, this is on base percentage, even 300. Like, he's a, not a very good offensive player. I mean, it's just not. But, yeah, uh, RBIs are – they're an interesting category. It's been – you know, it's part of the lifeblood of sport. Of the, You know, I mean, it's home runs, RBIs, batting average. We all know it. But it's, it's, a, it's a wild category and one that, obviously, as we're talking about here, is not very easy to predict, even though a lot of us think we can. Let's go to the three-hole overlooked fantasy pitching all-stars. And, you know, these are guys, again, some of them made the game, some did not. Um, some of them are names we've known for years. They're just kind of putting it together in the first half. But the guys I kind of wanted to throw out here, Ray, were Robbie Ray, Chris Bassett, Kyle Gibson, Taiwan Walker, and then uh, even Alex Reyes, who Alex Reyes has issues. I see it in St. Louis all the time. It's ever a one, two, three inning. But the guy's going to enter the all-star break with a ton of Ks, um, a really good ERA, five victories, and a ton of saves. <laughs> and I don't feel like anybody really talks about Alex Reyes. So he's on there. And then the four starters, Ray, Bassett, Gibson, and Walker. Now, I guess the question always is, Ray, they're overlooked now. Are they now also overcooked? I mean, do you worry about these guys in the second half? It's tough to look at the production of any of these five guys, even including Reyes, and feel great about a replication in the second half because they've all been so good in the first half. I mean, the Reyes thing is fascinating because you know his walk rate, as you mentioned, is all, he's all over the place, but somehow he just keeps getting saves. And you know, we'll have to maybe potentially worry about an innings issue. Maybe not. Maybe he just rolls out and has 40 saves for the year. But the starting pitchers, I mean, Walker, Gibson are certainly pitching over their heads. I think you can make the case that Bassett and Ray are as well. In the case of Ray, he's got the best stuff of the group, but as we have seen many times before, he's been all over the place. And he has not effectively taken the ball 30 times in a season and done this level of performance in six years. And he did it one time. He did it one year. So there's got to be concerns with his ability to lengthen out what he's done in the first half, especially the control that he has shown, which he has never had in his career. Bassett is really good, but is he superb? Look, it looks like it. And we were talking about him earlier today, his ability to take the ball six or seven innings and be effective, even if he's effective and not a star, I think that's legit. So I don't have concerns with him. The other two guys, Walker, I worry about his health and his ability to go you know, deep into the season. And then Gibson, I worry about everything because Gibson, Gibson has the, the least amount of stuff, quote unquote, of this entire group. And as we've talked about previously, a lot of it is, you know, he's been fortunate. He uses six pitches. He's keep guys off balance and everything is kind of broken for him the proper way today. So critical to be healthy too. Um, and these guys have, that's part of the reason they can make this list. I, I was looking concerning health, Ray. Um, you know, we're a little past the halfway point. I, I looked at the number of pitchers we've had right now who've made at least 16 starts. Um, and that would give you a 30 start season, roughly speaking. You know, maybe I should have said 17, but I went to 16. We got 76 guys right now with 16 starts. Ray, when we get it all said and done in early October, of those 76 guys, how many of them do you think reach 30? Is it going to be like 10? 
I would. I was going to say forty, so I'll go with it. But, oh, you're going to have forty guys, huh? Well, but I mean, again, and I said it, and I thought of it, and I was like, ah, I, I'll go twenty-five. My final answer, <laughs> Alex, is twenty-five. Um, boy, I and I don't feel good about that. I don't know. I mean, I, you know, I've said since December that I'm concerned about all this, you know, the workloads, the durability factor, especially last year, no one really pitched. I don't know what's going to happen when these teams that are, you know, 15 games out of first place and have no chance to make it to playoffs, they shut everyone down. Do they, everyone starts throwing three innings. Like I, I don't know, Kyle. So maybe even saying 25 is, is stupid when it's all done. Well, I looked at just for comparison's sake, um, the last full season we had 2019. If you look at the all-star break back then, we had 85 pitchers at 16. And, and again, right now we're at 76. Not hugely notable. You know, it's not like, oh, that's so dramatic. We finished that year with 59 making 30 starts. So only 26 of them failed to, to kind of keep pace in the second half, which I'm guessing is fairly normal over the last half decade or so. I, I would just be surprised, Ray, with the way things have gone. And some of these guys already with 16 starts are dealing with injuries. Mm-hmm. You know, so like like Zach Greenkey, shoulder problem. So you kind of wonder, okay, is he, is he going to get there? Um, and then some of these other guys could get shut down. I mean, Ian Anderson's on this list. Mm-hmm. He just popped up with it with an injury. Yep. Some of these guys haven't been very good. I mean, like Jorge Lopez has got a 6 ERA. Matt Harvey has a 770 ERA. Brad Keller's at 6. So, hey, starts don't make you good. <laughs> let's, let's get that out there. But I, I gosh, I, I said 10, and that's being dramatic, but 20, 25, I, I think that's maybe where we're going to be, which means attrition um, in the second half. Let's continue with our uh, look back at the first half. Um, taking a look in the cleanup spot, Ray, each of us have a collection of our five biggest surprises, positive things for this year. Um, I'll let you go first. Give me your five. Who who made the cut? Who are the guys that come out as the biggest surprises to you this year? All right. Uh, First off, it's Luis Castillo. We've talked about him so many times here on the podcast, and I've written a bunch of articles about him. And I I said all along, I expected him to be better. I said all along, if you can get him on a trade, on the cheap, do it. Hold him if you have him. But I also said the following, that even though I expect him to be better, I can't expect him to get back to his previous levels because A, he looks like a mess right now, and B, History tells us that when guys suck this bad, it just they don't rebound fully. And he hasn't rebounded fully because the strikeouts are lower than they have been, but he's really rebounded fully. It's been amazing. And everything is snapped back. All of a sudden, he looks like the guy that was drafted. His overall numbers won't be there and everything like that. But I think the biggest surprise is the struggles at the start, the rebound, and the fact that overall his numbers still aren't anywhere near where we expected them to be. But it's been a fascinating run in watching him go the second half of the first half gets me excited about the entire second half um carlos rodon i mean he thinks he's clayton kershaw i mean i i don't i it's it's, it's the most remarkable story in baseball carlos rodon what he's done um pitching the way he has consistently throwing innings consistently getting outs consistently keeping his ratios down posting the biggest strikeout numbers of his career throwing harder than ever before like none of that makes any sense given his track record i don't know what happens in the second half but he has been dynamic in the first half. Uh, Brandon Crawford has basically become who Glaber Torres was supposed to be, Trevor Story. I mean, he has been an offensive dynamo for the Giants, and that's ridiculous. I've seen this guy play baseball for a decade. I know he made some tweaks to his swing in this offseason. I get it, but come on. He's on pace to do things he's never done before. He's in his mid-30s. You know, there was all this talk in the Bay Area of is his Giants career basically over because they're not going to even give him a new contract. And then he goes out and hits like an all-star. Just just shocking. Cedric Mullins has, I mean, is Cedric Mullins on a 330-30 pace? Cedric Mullins, just crazy good, dynamic. He's been a superstar that was on the waiver wire everywhere. Just like Carlos Rodon, he's kind of the hitting version of that. And then the, the trio of starting pitchers with the Brewers, Kyle, you know, we all expected Woodruff to do it. We all hope Burns would repeat what he did last year. They both have pulled their weight. And then Freddie Peralta has joined the crowd. They have three of the most dominant pitchers in baseball. They go out every single game and hardly ever lay an egg. The trio of pitchers at the top of the Brewers rotation have been spectacular. Yeah, good list. Um, you know, you had Crawford on your list. I'm, I'm throwing two more Giants on the list, as, as should be. This is the most surprising team in baseball. 
They're doing it because of surprising players. I got to throw Gaussman and Descalfani, Ray. I, I mean, th- these guys weren't even a part of my draft. Well, I shouldn't say a part of my draft board, but I wasn't very interested in them. Um, you know, I remember going back and it's like, at cost, I'll take Johnny Cueto. Because I didn't expect anything from Gaussman and Descalfani, especially Descalfani, who enters the break with 10 victories, you know, sub one whip. You know, you're not getting strikeouts from him, but he's taking the ball every five days. Gaussman, there was maybe a little more to this that we thought he could could follow it up, but we didn't think it's Cy Young worthy stuff. And right now it's Cy Young worthy stuff. You know, I don't know if anybody's bothered to look it up, but um, if you look at ERA right now, everybody's going to say, oh, it's Jake DeGrom. Hey, how much do you think Jake DeGrom's lead is in ERA? Run and a half. Yeah, right. He's been so great, historic, untouchable, all that stuff. The difference between DeGrom and Gaussman is 0. 0.65. Oh, it's not a run and a half. Wow. Yeah, Gaussman's 1.73, DeGrom's 108. And you know the difference in innings pitched? <laughs> That's 22. 22 extra innings for Kevin Gaussman. Um, let's keep an eye on this. Get back to me. When, when Jake DeGrom gets to 114 innings, let's see if he's got a 173 ERA. Let's check that. And before you say, yeah, but DeGrom's so much better everywhere else. Gossman's got more wins. Gossman has a 0.82 whip to DeGrom's 0.54. And remember, Gossman's doing that with 22 more innings. The spot DeGrom beats him is in strikeouts, but it's 13. How much? Isn't it crazy how much we've talked about Jake DeGrom? And Gaussman's gotten love, but give give him more love than he's getting because he's been awesome this year, Uh, just a shade below DeGrom. I don't know if he's going to do it in the second half, but I don't know if DeGrom's going to do it in the second half, to tell you the truth. A couple of other names I'll throw out here. Um, Brian Reynolds with the Pirates. Give me a break. I mean, I I was thinking about Adam Frazier on here too, but – he doesn't do much except, you know, batting average, runs scored, all that stuff. Brian Reynolds was practically dead to me, like every Pirate was. Sorry. Sorry, Pirates. Uh, they're a bad team, a terrible team, but Brian Reynolds having a hell of a year. Brian Reynolds right now has a chance of finishing with 30 homers, 50 RBIs, 90-plus runs, and like a 290, 300 average. All of that. Not going to steal you a base, but he's been hella good. So, so a little bit of love for Brian Reynolds. Um, personally, I need to put Craig Kimbrell on this list. Because I could say nothing but bad things about Craig Kimbrell coming into the year. He had been so awful with the Cubs. He didn't have anything going in spring training. He shows up in Chicago back in 2019 after he held or couldn't get a contract. Comes back in the midseason bad. Last year bad. Spring training bad. And Ray, ever since he's been unhittable. Like ridiculously unhittable. Um, You know, he's been better than prime Craig Kimbrell, which is impossible to think about. Craig Kimbrell has a 0.57 ERA. <laughs> he's striking out over 15 batters per nine innings. He's totally gotten rid of the walks. It's just crazy what he's doing. And then my last guy is, is going to be Adolis Garcia, just because it's still a surprise. We're talking about Adolis Garcia with 20 plus home runs and being an all-star. I know he's cooled down. He hasn't fallen totally flat though, but he has cooled down and he'll probably continue to cool down, but we could still have a guy with 35 plus home runs this year. And again, um, totally free. Well, not totally free. By the time people were picking them up, I guess they were spending money, but undrafted, totally undrafted and a major league all-star uh, to start the year. So those are our five biggest surprises for Ray. It's kind of that turnaround of Luis Castillo, then Carlos Rodon looking like Kershaw, uh, Brandon Crawford being the best Brandon Crawford we've ever seen, Cedric Mullins, and then that trio of starters from Milwaukee. And for me, I'm going Garcia, Kimbrell, Gaussman, Reynolds, and Desclafani. Uh, moving to the five spot, Ray, let's go to the opposite end, the end that uh, you always like to talk about. Uh, letdowns. Five biggest fantasy letdowns of the first half of the season. My man, Victor Robles. Um, <laughs> yikes. I did a, I talked about him on uh, Saturday and, uh, you know, I, I just, it's just not happening. And I still believe in him long-term. Like I have him in the dynasty league I'm a part of. We have 45 man rosters. I'm not Stopping them, moving on. I'm not contemplating selling them low, but in a redraft scenario, talking 2021, uh, there's nothing here to go on and get excited about the rest of the way. And to date, he's been terrible. Um, He was on the cusp of fantasy greatness a couple of years ago, 17, 28 home run steals. Uh, Now he's not going to get 17 home runs and steals combined. Like it's just 
he stopped hitting and it's really sad uh, and very disappointing. Um, another guy, Glaber Torres, I think was the, like the, the best value guy up the middle. Like I was really excited about Glaber Torres this year. I ended up with him on multiple squads, thought, Oh, the rebounds coming, you know, people aren't really in on the price and he's been as almost as bad as Robles. He just hasn't hit and everything it's gone. It's not just, and sometimes the production is gone and we can look at the data and it's like, Oh yeah. Yeah. You look at him. He can't even hit the ball. His exit velocity is only three miles an hour. Like what the hell? Yeah. He has become a terrible hitter. He's become, you know, I, and I jokingly said this, he's become worse than Brandon Crawford was and Crawford's become better than it, Torres was. It just doesn't make any sense. So Glaber Torres is on my list. Francisco Lindor has come on of late. He's been much better the last month. And at the end, his numbers are, are going to be passable. Like Torres and Robles just aren't. Like Lindor's at least going to have numbers that if he's in there, he's not destroying your roster. But given the expectations and given his track record, his performance has been dismal. It just has. And whether it's New York or the big contract or whatever it might be, he didn't hit very well last year. He's not hit very well this year. He does not look like the player that we all know with Francisco Lindor, and it really doesn't make a hell of a lot of sense. Uh, Kestnera is number four on my list. And, you know, I wrote a player profile him before the season began and warned everyone listening that they were spending too much on draft day, understand who this player is. There's holes in his game. Like I was very honest and open and probably lower on him than anyone else that does this professionally. But at the same point, I didn't expect him to go to crap. I, mean, I didn't expect this. And some of that is the, a, a confluence of all the negative things happening. Some of this might be his mental mindset because his mom's been dealing with an illness and all. But the bottom line is he just has not looked other than a game here, game there, anything like the player that was drafted. And then finally, the one pitcher on my list is Jesus Luzardo. And I'm reluctant to ever go in on young pitchers. Everyone knows that. Um, Luzardo is a guy that I was as low on. And interestingly enough, I got bashed for being a Luzardo guy this year, even though I was lower than anyone the last two years on him. I know that. Um, I bought in this year and said, look, I think he can be an SP3-4. Like, I think he can do that. He's got the skills, blah, blah, blah. Well, he has performed poorly. He's dealt with injury He because he beat himself up when he was playing a video game or whatever the hell it was. He's been demoted. They put him in the bullpen. All he did was give up home runs. He is a flat-out mess. And you look at the A's now. The A's were supposed to have Luzardo and Puck anchoring their rotation by now. They don't have either at the midpoint in 2021, Kyle. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, A.J. Puck, what the hell happened to him? <laughs> we're still <laughs> waiting on that Luzardo. Here's the thing with pitching, though. It still has a chance. It, it still has a chance for these guys. Uh, you know, we were talking about Reyes earlier. It's kind of an unsung fantasy pitching standout. I mean, he went through four years of nothing. Julio Urias, um, 13 wins, I guess, in the first half. You know, he, he was injured, missing time, working out of the bullpen, had issues off the field. Now everything looks great for Urias. Um, here are my five biggest. I'm starting with Patrick Corbin. What a bum. Oh, my goodness. We're back to five years ago when Patrick Corbin just pissed everybody off in Arizona. And Ray, he's gone full circle. He started as a bump, you know, I'm, I'm not starting, but, you know, he came off his arm injury and then oh, it was like five and 14, bad ERA, no strikeouts. And then slowly but surely a little bit better in Arizona. He shows up in Washington. He's suddenly an all-star, gets a World Series, looks awesome. And then now he circles back to being just purely mediocre. Uh, the Ks have disappeared. Like he, he was at 11 Ks per nine two years ago. He's lost four of those per game, per nine innings right now. Uh, falling apart, and, and nothing looks good for Corbin, it seems. Um, Alec Bohm is going to be on one of my biggest letdowns. I was sold on him. thought he'd be legit. I kind of thought he could make an all-star game this year. Um, he's playing every day, and he's half the player he was last year. Um, now, last year was a shortened season. He finished second in Rookie of the Year voting. Uh, just a very blah kind of player. And defensively, I haven't caught a ton of Phillies games, but I've seen bad defense from Alec Bohm. Um, So kind of worried about him again. He's young. He hasn't even played a full major league season, but he is a letdown, not finished, but a letdown for me. Along those same lines, I got to throw Jared Kelenic. Don't we have to? I, I, think, <laughs> I think it's a letdown, Jared Kelenic, how awful he was. Truly, truly awful. This guy was like a major talking point in the month of March. When do you draft him? How do you stash him? When are we going to see him? Like we'd spend entire weeks talking about Jared Kelenic and yelling about when you should get him. 
He shows up, it's a home run in the second game, and then doesn't – I don't even think he hit the baseball for three weeks. Did he, Ray? <laughs> it, did he, it, he not, make contact? I, mean, I think he did, but it just didn't get out of the infield, Kyle. Yeah, it was – oh, my God. And finally, the Mariners just pulled the string. And, and like Bohm, he's not doomed. He's not finished. But disappointment, let down, hell yeah, Jared Kelenic. Um, I'm going to go after two vets with my last – and I'll say this. I was really tempted – to put Anthony Rendon and Christian Yelich and JT Almuto on this list. Um, Yelich and Rendon, I guess, can point to injuries. I, I still don't think Yelich is right at all. Um, he's just playing through it. The team's doing good. Um, it's kind of fun when you're winning, but he's not doing a thing. And I think he is a disappointment. I don't know if it's really going to change. Um, and so I let those guys be. Real Muto's a disappointment, but it's not really to me because I was totally out on the idea of drafting JT Real Muto. But everybody who was in on it, I hope you're happy what you got at the catcher's spot. But, Ray, the, the two guys I have here are DJ LeMayhew and Mookie Betts. Um, now, Mookie Betts made the All-Star game. Has no business in the All-Star game. And I will say this. Mookie Betts is a victim of his absolute superior previous three years. The, the guy was unstoppable. I mean, really, his whole career, he's been awesome. This year, he's not. He just isn't. And he still has room to make up. He, he Before it's all said and done, I'm not going to bet against Mookie Betts getting to 280 or getting to 30-15. But right now, it's been a bad first half. I don't care how you cut it. Um, the slugging percentage is way down. The batting average is 50 points below normal. Um, he's been getting on base, but he no longer really steals. You know, he, he's not really a guy who can get you 25, 30 steals anymore, which makes sense. He's 28 years old. So it's kind of like the Lindor thing that Ray mentioned. It's it's not pitiful and it's not like you're screaming and, and yelling, uh, but it's been a letdown. And that's what this category is, the letdowns. And then DJ LeMay, who's my final guy. Um, I was not. I didn't on DJ LeMay when he showed up in New York. Um, then he had that first year that was really good. I didn't buy him for his second year. That was really good. I, I kind of bought him this year, Ray, mm-hmm. and he's been a flat-out failure. Not Glaber Torres, but he's been bad. Um, hasn't been there for DJ LeMahieu. You do get multi-positional eligibility, so I guess you got that. Uh, but still, I, th- I think it's an easy call. Disappointment. Part of the big letdown with the Yankees' offense is the fact that LeMahieu's just MIA this year. So, again, my list, LeMahieu, Betts, Bohm, Kellenick, and Corbin. And Ray's got Robles, Lindor, Glaber Torres, Keston Ura, and Jesus Lazardo. If I were to hit you with that list of 10, Ray, is Betts the best turnaround candidate? I think so because, you know, it, it, it's very easy to see him hit 300 the rest of the way, right? And maybe hits 330 the rest of the way, and at the end he hits 295 and everyone's happy. But his ability to produce in the batting average category, which I believe makes him one of you know, 10, 15 guys in baseball that I look at and say that guy's hitting 295 every year. With the ability to do that and to steal bases, I'd answer your question in the affirmative. Well, and before everybody says you hate Mookie Betts, if I could get him for 90 cents on the dollar, I'd probably make the trade. <laughs> really, I would for the second half. Uh, let's move to the six-hole player profile. And I guess, Ray, it's the anti-Kellenic. Um, we'll talk about his fellow hotshot rookie. Um, let's give a little love to uh, Logan Gilbert. And I bring him up because, again, Kellenic has struggled. And then, you know, we got the Wander Franco thing we're dealing with. A lot of rookies haven't done too much. Uh, Bobby Dalbeck. I know Andrew Vaughn's had a bit of a push lately, but he's kind of struggled. Your men Mercedes was hell sent back to the minor leagues, but Logan Gilbert is a guy who started pretty rough Ray, mm-hmm. but then all of a sudden you look up here and uh, Logan Gilbert is doing things. Um, it's not fantastic. Let's not get carried away, but I thought it'd be worth checking in on Gilbert, especially after his previous start right before the all-star break. I mean, one hit allowed to the Yankees in seven innings, no runs, eight strikeouts. Uh, ERA is now down to 351 for Logan Gilbert. Yeah, the only time in his last seven starts where he didn't throw at least five innings was that rain-shortened game against the White Sox because he's basically been throwing a quality starter right on the edge of it for two months now, a month and a half now at least. And in those seven starts, he's got more than a strikeout an inning. He's only walked eight guys in seven starts, which is obviously terrific. He's only allowed three home runs, which is fantastic. So he's keeping the ball in the yard. And honestly, with so many other players and pitchers that we've looked at, you know, whether it was, it was Lynch one week, then it was Coar, you know, it was supposed to be Sixto Sanchez and Nate Pearson and on and on and on. Gilbert is one of the shining examples of success for a young pitcher this year when the majority of these guys, at least in, in my recollection, Kyle, the top end guys have really struggled 
it's been more about the overs of the world and stuff. The guys that have been called up have been more of those second, third level prospect types. Thompson with the Marlins. This top level guys yeah. have kind of struggled to date. Gilbert's not in that mix. Um, you know, in 10 starts, he's he's got us more than a strikeout and he's got a, a five to one strikeout to walk ratio. Which is awesome. That, that, fantastic. That's one thing you don't expect him to be really, a con- well, I hate to say control artist, but he's the walks have not been a thing for him at all, which I'm a little surprised at. Yeah, and, it, and he's he's been very good during his minor league career, keeping the walks in check and control is something that the scouts look at and think, yes, he's got that. But to come to the major leagues and to have your first 10 starts show that, Plus, you know, it wasn't that he just kind of showed it and it's been a plus tool for him to date is very surprising. And it's the reason why his whip is 0.97. And, you know, he has been really terrific, just straight up. He's done everything after that little bit of a slow start. He's done everything that they've expected from him. He's pitched extremely well. Now the question, as with so many other young pitchers, is what do we get? You know, he's 12 innings away. Uh, I mean, excuse me, he's he's. 12 innings away from the, the highest total he's ever had at one stop. He threw 110 innings back in 2019, but he didn't throw a pitch that counted in 2020. So, you know, he's already, he's already basically halfway to the level of the, of the amount of innings he's thrown the last two years. So they, they have to be cautious here. They have to be careful here with him. I think that's the biggest concern, not the performance, Kyle, because it has been really, really good. Well, and the, the one thing we should note, um, the Mariners – they're kind of involved in a race. <laughs> they're, they're 48 and 42. And I'm trying to think what they uh, did on Sunday. Did they get end up getting that win? They were down four to one. I think they, yeah, they lost to the angels seven to one. So I guess it's now 48 and 43 going into the break, but that's good for third place. And it kind of puts you in the thick of a, of a wild card battle. Like you're better than Cleveland. Um, you're a couple of games behind the A's. You're better than the Yankees. I mean, they're they're in a playoff race. <laughs> it's for the wild card, but the Mariners are there. So that could factor into the decision to make with Logan Gilbert. Let's go to some news and notes. Um, Ray, we've got IL stints popping up like crazy over the weekend. Um, you know, you uh, Darvish, Ian Anderson, you got COVID issues. Boehm, who we, who we mentioned earlier, Aaron Nola, you say Kikuchi. Um, Zach Greinke left with some shoulder issues. Ryan Weathers had a knee problem. It was a rough last weekend before the start, before the all-star break. Yeah. And unfortunately I think we're gonna have a lot of rough weekends, um, (laughs) because that's, you know, that's just where we're at. Right. But yeah, we, it's really difficult now because, you know, we can forecast the second half and what's going to happen and it's going to be messy on the pitching side in particular, because now we're getting the, the guys that are dependable, the startable guys going down with injuries and how much time are they going to miss? What is, you know, the, the, the rate, the, the standings will factor into this workload will factor into this performance will factor all these things. So when you start seeing all these names, even if they're only missing two or three starts, it's hard at this point in the season, Kyle, to fill those two or three starts and feel really good about the guys you're turning to. Yeah. And I want, like we, we were talking about Darvish earlier, um, you know, coming up out of nowhere with this hip injury kind of thing. And, you know, you, you wonder, you know, we we're talking earlier about the number of starts and who's going to make it to 30. And, you know, a lot of these teams in San Diego is one of these teams where you say, well, let's find a way to rest them. Let's, let's skip a start here, skip a start there, whatever it is. Darvish, maybe this is just the best time to do it because four of the days he's serving on the IL are days where the Padres aren't playing. Um, so you, know, you put them on Sunday, you're not going to pitch them on Sunday and then you can backdate things, all of that. And all of a sudden, Ray, it's like, you know, you miss the opening series, but that's nothing too dramatic. You, you may even have a shot to make the first start after the break, the fifth game, maybe depending on things. So we don't know right now exactly how quote unquote severe these things are, but they are on the IL. The, the problem is you get that IL spot, Ray, and it's, <laughs> I guess you can pick up guys during this all-star break, but you, you really don't know if what you're picking up is anything you'll ever use because your guy may be off the IL right. uh, by the middle of next week. And that's a thing to think about it when everyone is going to the waiver wire. Um, well, I guess they already have by the time they hear this, so it won't help. But yeah, I, I thought of that in one league because there's a couple leagues I'm in. If you add a player, they have to go into your lineup. Oh. Like it's that, that week, right? And then after the first week, you can take them out if you want. But Tout Wars has that rule. Uh, the the labor league has that rule. And so it's like, you're looking at stuff and it's like, well, can I, like you're saying, I, do I pick this guy up? Is he going to start for sure? I don't know. You know, do I, do I just float the guy and not worry about making a move because he's only going to miss a start? 
it's something everyone has to, you know, handle based upon their league setup. But it is a, a question that at least needs to be pondered. Couple of things with the Angels. Uh, they're hoping Rendon is back after the break. He's been dealing with a hamstring injury. Been a terrible season for him. Mike Trout, still no timetable on his rehab assignment. And gosh, Ray, I, I would hope we'd be back to a rehab or hearing pot. We're not hearing positive news with Mike Trout right now. We're not. And it, I don't want to say setback because I haven't seen that term or word mentioned anywhere, but it doesn't seem to be progressing as hoped. Uh, it seems to be slower than expected. And, you know, this is something we always talk about. We hear four to six weeks, six to eight weeks in his case. Like we hear these numbers and we think to ourselves, oh, yeah, it's going to happen. And sometimes we're used to even seeing it happen earlier. So we just get lulled into this false sense of, well, if they say eight weeks, he's back in eight weeks. Eh, you know, it just doesn't always go that way. And, you know, you, you look at his case in particular and we have concerns about his ability to run anyway because it's not part of his game that he's carried on as much as before. Um, the team is basically treading water. They're behind like a hundred other teams for the playoffs, right? So do they rush them back? I, I wish we had a better handle on it, but as we do this podcast, we don't. And that's a little disappointing. Yeah. And so by the time he's back, let's say, cross your fingers, it's August 1st, he'll have missed, you know, about two and a half months. And, and I bring that up because that's what you're going to be missing with Acuna the rest of the way. And I bring that up just to remind people, it's not all over if you lost Acuna. I, I personally... Um, and in a league where I lost Mike Trout and my team has been vastly better <laughs> without Mike Trout. Now that's pure dumb timing. Guys started to hit when they weren't hitting earlier, uh, but Trout's been injured the whole time and my team hasn't sunk. Um, although one of his replacements, Miguel Andujar, went on the IL. So maybe I'll be sunk then. Not that he was doing too much, but he was helping me fill an outfield spot <laughs> in that league. Uh, let's now go to our random reference. Uh, it's in our eight hole tonight, the starting nine. And um, I cheated just a bit, Ray, with the random reference. Oh, um, I, I specifically made it an all-star game random. Pre-gramed it. Uh, pre-gamed yeah. it. So I went to just the page at baseball reference with all the all-star games. I closed my eyes, moved my cursor around and let okay. it be. All right. 1994. Hmm which was one of the better all-star games. And I guarantee you'll remember this. Uh, the NL won at eight to seven in Pittsburgh. This was the game where Tony Gwynn scored at the end, slid home, beat the play at the plate. And uh, the NL got the win eight to seven. There was that big celebration there um, after that hit. Uh, who got that game winning hit though? Let me check that. 94. You, you might remember. There it is. Uh, Moises Alou. Ah. With the game winning double off of Jason Bure of, of the White Sox. Gwynn had singled in the bottom of the 10. This was beef. This is ancient history, folks. This is before they used to put a guy at second base. Um, so Real baseball? Real baseball? Okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. So Tony Gwynn singled and uh, Moises Alou, the RBI double, and that won it. Do you remember that one? I want to say yes, but I'm, I'm having a hard time. I, well, I have, I had a long, you know this, I had a long weekend. I'm kind of drained, so that's probably part of it. What, but. what if I told you Rod Beck was an all-star that year? He was probably rep representing the Giants, I bet. Of course he was, with that, with that goatee and rest his soul. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do find it interesting looking at that, by the way. Jason Bray falls to 0-1 in his all-star career. Doug Jones <laughs> moves to 1-0. It's funny they keep, I mean, of I, I don't keep think Jason Beret ever had an opportunity to even up that record. I don't, I don't believe he did. That's, you know, I'm looking at, let's see, did he, now that was it. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, finished 23rd in the MVP vote that year after finishing second the previous year in the Rookie of the Year uh, and then ended his career with a 5-1 ERA and a 1-5-5 whip. So didn't quite play out after those uh, first two seasons of success. That's a fun uh, group of guys. I mean, uh, Ruben Severa, uh, Sierra's on here. Uh, Chili Davis, Mickey Tettleton. Was it was there in 94? Um, you know, and then some legends. I mean, Frank Thomas, Ken Griffey Jr., Wade Boggs, Roberto Alomar, Kirby Puckett. I mean, your starting lineup there in the AL is pretty serious. I mean, I'm looking at, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven of your eight hitters that started were, were Hall of Famers. Wow. The only one who wasn't is Joe Carter. And, you know, you can kind of make the argument he's a near Hall of Famer. Um, on the NL, it's not the same. They had Gwen Bonds, both in the Hall of Fame. Piazza, that's three. Ozzie Smith is four. Maddox was pitching, so maybe we can count him as five. But their other starters were Mariano Duncan, not, not a Hall of Famer. Uh, Dave Justice, very good, but not a Hall of Famer. Matt Williams, also of the Giants. And uh, Greg Jeffries, for ah. sure not a Hall of Famer. but Hometown kid, yeah. Oh, yeah? From mm. from San Mateo or yeah. San Francisco? San Mateo. Oh, 
Oh. Wow. Did you know his sister too growing up? Isn't that, isn't that right? Did I make that up? Let me verify that again. I'm no, you're right. Here. Junipero no, right. Okay. Sarah. Junipero yeah, Sarah. To, I know he went to Sarah. He, technically, I guess he was born in Burlingame, which is the next town over. It's two miles away. Um, I did not know him. I did not go to school with his sisters. I did not ask any of his sisters to prom call. <laughs> yeah, that's Sarah High School. Yeah. Uh, Barry Bonds went there. Mm-hmm. Greg Jeffries went there. Yep. Uh, Dan Serafini. Yep. I played uh, against Jim- Dan Serafini. My brother oh, broke did? up. Really? My, I got a base hit off my one for two the one time I faced him. And my brother <laughs> broke up his uh, no hitter in the, uh, I want to say, fifth fifth or sixth inning in the cold baseball once. So Jeff and I, my brother, both have base hits awesome. uh, off a of first round draft pick. So that's a nice little. That's really good. Fame. Jim Fergosi also. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sarah. Now, what high school did you go to? I went to Sarah High School as a freshman. Okay. Uh, and then I transferred to Hillsdale High School where Dick Vermeil started his coaching career. Ah, very nice. Mm. Any baseball players from there, really? Me. No, I don't think we have. Um, no, I don't think there's anyone anyone would know. So Sarah's baseball. a powerhouse kind of thing. Sarah's the powerhouse that everyone goes to for baseball for softball, which Hillsdale is known for. Tom Brady's sister, Maureen, who's the one we're talking about, uh, was an All-American in high school as a pitcher, was an All-American in college as a pitcher. So she'd probably be the most famous ball player from Hillsdale High School. Very cool. That was a good random reference. Maybe our, our best of the year. We went everywhere on that one. Uh, finally, Ray, stamp of approval. What do you have? Stick to itiveness to meet your goals. And uh, the reason I say that is I've had a collection of bobbleheads for years that I don't know, there's like eight of them, six of them, six of them. And I was missing, it's the Universal Studios bobblehead collection from 2003 or whatever it is. I've had all of them, but the uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And I finally found it on eBay, got it, didn't have to pay, you know, $480. It wasn't absurd what I had to pay, but I finally completed it. It took me like eight years of searching for this thing. I finally got it. My creature from the Black Lagoon bobblehead. Wow. I like that. Stick to it. Now, now we never talked before the show, what we're going to say for our stamp of approval, but mine has a bit to do with that. And, and, um, I am going to make this, I guess, very personal. Um, as we are recording this right today, is the 20th anniversary of my first job um, out of college in radio. So I I started on uh, middle of July, 2021. Uh, There was no podcasting back then. And I should say 2001. Did I say 2020? I'm getting old. You are. After 20 years. Uh, I don't think there was podcasting at all. Um, Maybe I'm wrong. I'm kind of late to the game on all this stuff. Uh, but it's been 20 years and, and the stamp of approval goes to everybody who's helped me through that, uh, which would be led by both my parents, Dell and Teresa, um, who I don't even get to that first spot, let alone any of these other spots without. So huge thank you to them for all their support, love and help and thoughts and uh, advice, all that good stuff that parents are perfect at. Um, and then so many in the professional world, which it would include you, Ray Flowers. Because for like 11 of those 20 years, I've actually been with you. So I'd spent half of my working radio and I've been in radio since I was 16, but like out of college, my first job kind of anniversary. Ray, I've spent more than half my time with you during those 20 years. I feel bad for you. Um, no, 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 no. You should feel great. You, you deserve a stamp of approval. Oh, well, thank you. I know this is more about you and congratulations. <laughs> it's to, always about me. Yeah, of course. Which Well, as well, it should be in this instance. But yeah, no, I... It's, uh, you know, we've always had a a good working relationship and I've always appreciated that. And I think that uh, you put up with a lot with me and hopefully I've added enough that's made it worth it. But uh, congratulations there, Kyle. That's pretty impressive. Well, you've had 11 years on radio, right? So you're not too far behind. I I may never catch up, but I'll keep trying. Well, you you eat a much healthier diet. So I think I'll give you at least nine years to catch me at some point. After after I kind of leave somehow, some way, and you'll still be going. Okay. I don't know, but big thanks to everybody. I have a lot of, I know the the man who gave me my first ever job um, still does Missouri Tiger baseball. He's the play-by-play voice, but um, a man named Tex Little who hired me. Um, And so thank you to Tex because who knows, you know, if you don't get hired in one place, what the hell happens to you? You know, sure, maybe you go to another place, but how does that change your road? Like it's, it's so wild to think if somebody hadn't said yes to you, Back in July of 2001, <laughs> where I'm at today. But uh, he said yes, and that kind of set everything in motion. So again, uh, kind of a self-centered stamp of approval. But on this anniversary, 
uh, 20 years in. Thanks to everybody around who has helped me get to this point. Uh, that will do it for us. Ray, where can the folks find you this week? You can find me everywhere, Kyle, on Twitter at Baseball Guys, on Instagram at The Ray Flowers. They can find me on SiriusXM Fantasy Sports Radio uh, with you on Fridays, Saturdays, and Sundays. They can find me with Jeff Manns on Wednesdays on the Elite Sports Show, which is 4 to 6 Eastern. Uh, and then they can also find me doing work on the football side uh, over at Fantasy Guru. Don't forget to check that out, folks. I know this is a baseball podcast, and we're not abandoning baseball by any means. We're still doing the podcast, still writing the articles and all of that, but our football product is a full go. Uh, I got an article coming up this week that'll be out on the running backs and the PPR myth. So you might want to check that out, but uh, go to the website, click on the logo on the top left or the join now tab on the top right and uh, get your subscription to the football product. You will enjoy it. Trust me. As for me, I'm going to be starting uh, 20 years in a day uh, working on the next two decades, which even if I add on those two decades, Ray, I'll get to uh, 62 Still won't be eligible to retire. So close, though. You're getting, isn't it? What is it now? Is it 65? I don't know. I think you're supposed to go until about 67 if you want the full benefit, right? Oh, boy. And, and being in radio, I need the full benefit. Yeah, we don't have any benefits. <laughs> <laughs> I, got, I guess I'm, I'm 25 years away from a full benefit, but who the hell knows what's going on 25 years from now? <laughs> I don't know. I hope I'm hanging out with Ray Flowers. That, that's the goal in uh, 2046. Uh, have a good one, Ray. To all the listeners, have a great week. Enjoy kind of the break from the day-by-day baseball. Ray and I will be back here next Monday for another podcast right here at fantasyguru.com.